Yeah! The Flathead's only local sports talk show, The Knock on Sports, 6 to 8 weeknights, only on 96.5 and 600 KGEZ. Here's your host, Anthony Knockreiner. Welcome back inside the Whitefish Credit Union studios and joining us right now on the Whitefish Credit Union hotline, good friend of the show and a guy that has been with this show from the very beginning. He was one of the first people I was talking to about college football and college athletics with the University of Montana, as well as Montana State. And he has been a part of the show for the last four and a half years. Uh, good friend as well. Colter Nuanez joining us, host of Nuanez Now and SkylineSportsMT.com. Coulter, it is great to chat with you, man. It's a little bittersweet because... Uh, you've been with me from the very get-go, man, and I know we've got to be at least close to 100 times that you've been on this show at least. Man, I know, and I'm not going to know what to do with myself. Not coming on the knockout sports, man, but congratulations on the next chapter for you, whatever it might hold. But you've done a great job here in Montana. It's always been fun to contribute to the show, so thanks so much for having me one last time. Well, Cole, tell you said, man, you're the man with the knowledge to know uh, when it comes to the University of Montana and Montana State. So it just made sense. And like I said, it's always been fun to get the latest from you. Um, and it's been kind of crazy because we've I, I wasn't sure that we'd go through a coaching change at Montana State considering some of the success with Choke. But I've been through two with you, uh, one at Montana State just recently. And then, of course, when Bobby Houck returned uh, to Montana. Um, so it's just kind of strange just to think about it all. But uh, Coulter, let's just start there with obviously college football being back. Uh, give me your thoughts when you saw that Grizz video yesterday. I still have goosebumps from watching that. <laughs> well, I'd hate being the guy that's always being the hater, but I thought I thought it was well done, good production value, but I also thought football players traipsing through the snow in their pads was dumb. But I'm also <laughs> the only guy in the world that thinks that the Brawl of the Wild is a dumb nickname because I don't think I live in the wild. I think I live in a city. But regardless, I'm always the contrarian. That's just kind of the way that I am. But, no, I mean, I, I think it's incredible to see where uh, these two programs have come in terms of using social media and the electronic distribution and all that stuff to spread their brand. And I think it's a testament to the fan bases and uh, the people in Montana, the fact that these two programs and these two athletic departments are always among the top leaders in the FCS and at the Division One level uh, in their social media impressions and all that. So, um Tongue-in-cheek, I always have to be the guy that's being the hater a little bit and keep people between the ditches. But, uh, no, I, th- I, thought it was, I thought it was cool. And, and here's the thing. That's not to demean my excitement for Saturday because I am pumped up to watch some real-life football. I wouldn't even care uh, if they were playing some team from Australia. I'd be pumped up to watch it. But the fact that I started my career as a sports writer covering Central Washington, uh, my first job outside of Montana, uh, it's a little special for me, too, because I've always followed Central closely, and I think it's going to be a, a great game on Saturday at Washington Grizzly Stadium. Well, Coulter, listen, I know, you know, with Bobby Houck, don't call this an exhibition game, and apparently if you challenge him in checkers and sit-ups, he'll want to beat you. Uh, so give me your thoughts. What are you expecting? What are you hearing for this game? Are we going to see starters the entire game if the game's close? Do we expect to see some younger guys maybe get some opportunities considering the fact these are only two games and you really don't want to risk anybody uh, for the upcoming fall season? Well, I think that. I mean, the Montana's going to try to win this game, and it's going to take a good effort to win this game. I mean, I think that people might see Division Two and think, well, the Grizzlies can roll over them. Uh, the thing you got to understand is the dynamic of Division Two is pretty broad and pretty vast when you talk about schools from across the country 
The difference between schools like Minnesota Duluth and Texas A&M Kingsville and West Texas A&M and then schools like Western State or Fort Lewis State or Colorado Mesa, the schools in the RMAC, or even some of the schools in the Great Northwest Athletic Conference like um, Humboldt State or Simon Fraser, there's a huge difference because there's, there's not a, a – like in, in the FCS and the FBS, you have a, a, a minimum and maximum level of funding. Everybody has to have 85 scholarships in the FBS, no more, no less. Everybody has to have 63 scholarships in the FCS, no more, no less, although, although there has been some transitioning – uh, FCS programs that maybe play at the FCS level with a little bit less scholarships until they get fully funded. Division two, you can have as many as 36 scholarships, but you can have as little as no scholarships to play at the Division two level. And so a lot of times we see schools like from the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference, for example, that's a low-level Division two conference outside of Colorado State Pueblo. The Great Northwest Athletic Conference, uh, it still doesn't have an automatic bid to the D2 playoffs. There's a lot of schools out west that uh, aren't that laden in football tradition. Central's not one of them, though. Central is more in the mold of the Texas A&M Kingsville's and the Minnesota Duluth's of the world than they are like any other school out west, quite frankly, at the Division II level. So because of that, they are going to have a, a good team. I guarantee it. I covered that team for two years. I mean, the last time they came into Missoula in 2008, they only lost by a field goal against a grid team that went, ended up going all the way to the national championship game later on that year. So Central will have great talent. They will have a lot of Division One drop downs. They will have uh, formidable guys on the perimeter. Uh, it, it, they won't look like your standard Division Two team. So this is not going to be like a lot of these RMAC teams that come to Missoula and Bozeman and lose 55-10 to 10 or 63-7 to 7 or whatever. Central's going to be in the mix here. I think the last time I saw the spread was a 17-point spread. So I totally expect Central to be able to hang uh, at least early. And because of that, then I expect Montana to probably play a lot of their primary players Quite a bit. I mean, uh, they might try to take some mileage off a guy like Sammy Kim because it is pretty easy to rotate at receiver. Uh, they're obviously not going to ride uh, their primary running backs, but Marcus Knight is not going to be uh, in this game anyways. I'll break some of that news later on this week at SkylineSportsMT.com once I get it all confirmed. But uh, they're probably going to have more of the young guys carrying the load out of the backfield anyways. And then defensively, I mean, you might see a couple guys like Jace Lewis, Robbie Houck that maybe aren't playing the full load. But they have so many young guys that they want to get reps that are on that too deep. But I expect them to, to operate pretty much status quo, at least until this game is well in hand. And I think that Central is a quality enough opponent that it won't be well in hand until later, later, uh, later in the action, probably late into the third or fourth quarter. So I do think this will be a competitive game. I, I think we'll see most of the headline players that we expect to see from Montana for the majority of the game. Colter, we talked about this last weekend, which was that backup quarterback spot. Chris Brown is on that two deep as the number two guy behind um, Humphrey. Uh, so I'm very curious if he does get any action. But again, are you surprised seeing Humphrey there? Or sorry, seeing uh, Chris Brown there too? I'm not actually at all. I've been hearing great things about Chris Brown for the duration of this uh, elongated time off football for the Grizz. I think he's a really talented guy. I think he's a guy that the coaching staff really likes. I've heard some scuttle. From them, that they uh, you know even think that he might push Cam Humphrey uh, in the fall to even become the starter, and so I do expect Humphrey to get the majority of the reps out the gate in this game. Mm-hmm. But I won't be surprised to see Chris Brown because I do think that uh, he fits the mold of what Bobby House likes in a quarterback. He's big, tall, strong. Uh, he's tough, and uh, I think if he can grasp the leadership portion of things, that I think he actually could uh, push to, to maybe even unseat Cam Humphrey come fall. So I'm not surprised to see his name there at all. 
Coulter, the one guy that I'm very curious about, and again, this has got ties up here to Northwest Montana, is Patrick O'Connell and how he builds upon what he did, leading the team in sacks just only in 2019. Uh, so who's one guy for you that you're keeping an eye on that you're kind of curious to see what they do this weekend? Well, I, you look, talking about linebackers, I think that that spot next to Jace Lewis that has, uh, is open because of Dante Olson's uh, departure. It's a big one for Montana to fill, but I love the two guys that they got battling for that spot. I think Marcus Wellnell was a great player at Helena Capital. Uh, I saw him downtown Missoula the other week uh, when we were getting some lunch, and uh, he looks the part all day. I think he's, he's gained a lot of strength and size. And then Braxton Hill, who's an Anaconda guy, he also fits that mold of exactly what Bobby House likes in, in linebackers, guys that are tough and selfless, uh, Montana roots, uh, and guys that really love being Grizzlies. So I think that both those guys are going to play a lot this year. I expect them to both have an opportunity if they stay healthy to be pretty darn productive next to Jace Lewis. So I'm definitely watching that spot. I'm also interested to see some of the transfers that Montana, Montana brought in. Justin Belknap on the end uh, from Arizona. Justin Ford, the corner from Louisville. Uh, Omar Hicks-Anu from Oregon State. The corner, I'm intrigued to see all those guys as well. And I also just want to see the offensive line because this offensive line, a lot of people want to blame it on, on Bob Stitt and, and his recruiting or lack thereof of offensive linemen. That's been a part of their issue. But this offensive line has been a far cry from what they normally have been pretty much since Bobby House left. I mean, they have not had the elite offensive lines that they had back in the, the 2000s uh, for quite some time. And I remember when I was putting together my all-decade team for Skyline Sports, and it was really hard to find, especially interior offensive linemen, to put on that team because, quite frankly, the Grits had no first or second team all-conference players on the interior of their offensive line except for one. Cy Sermon was a second-team all-league pick last year. But other than that, pretty much no interior offensive linemen that were all-league players for a full decade. And that's crazy because Montana used to have pretty much the whole offensive line was a first or second team all-league type guy. And so now – with some of the guys they brought in, A.J. Forbes to solidify the center spot, a transfer from Nebraska, a move of Colton Kintz from tackle to guard on the inside, and then the further development of guys like Tomlin Beaver, Dylan Cook. I just think the offensive line, it looks like a Bobby Houck offensive line. Now, can they perform like a Bobby Houck offensive line? That's something I'm definitely going to be watching on Saturday. Colton Nuanez is joining us right now on the White Fist Credit Union Hotline, host of Nuanez now on ESPN Missoula, 4 to 6 p.m., and also does great stuff with SkylineSportsMT.com. You've already heard him drop uh, a few nuggets of things he's going to be releasing later this week, so make sure you keep your eyes on that. Uh, Coulter, let's turn it over to Montana State, because this past weekend you were out there in Bozeman and uh, seeing what this team uh, is going to look like under Brent Vegan. Obviously, I know it's early, but what are some things that stood out to you? Well, I mean, the, the dynamic of the team is completely different. I mean, they first of all, Jeff Cholt loved to bring in such big recruiting classes. There was a whole recruiting class that I'd never really seen participate in anything because they lost basically their whole red shirt or true freshman or whatever you want to call it season. So it's sort of disorienting trying to identify who's who. I mean, there were so many guys that I've only seen play football a, a handful of times at all, ever. So that was interesting trying to figure out who was who. But, I mean, the way that they run practices, the dynamic of the practice, the, the identity of the program, it's all, it's all in flux now. It's all taking shape into a different uh, identity. And I think that that's it's not good or bad. It's just different. And, I mean, Jeff Choate was such an energetic guy, and his practices were so spirited and so uh, high contact, you know, uh, violent, for lack of a better word. Choate loved to line it up and hit it. And I didn't see much Oklahoma drill going on. I didn't see much inside drill going on on Saturday at Bobcat Stadium. But that said, 
I'm going to need to see them quite a few more times before I have a full evaluation. But I do think that uh, offensively, they have a chance to make a big jump just, just from a continuity and experience standpoint. And Brett Deegan is a uh, proven offensive coach and a proven developer of quarterbacks. And I think that they were running a lot more personnel-based concepts that is going to help them have a lot more success and probably be a lot more diverse on offense. They're always going to be able to run the ball. Uh, you know, I think that they have the offensive line and the running backs to continue to be one of the best power run teams in the conference. And uh, so then if they can add the element of throwing it, I mean, they do have talent, both at quarterback and receiver. So I think that just uh, having some more veteran experienced play callers led by Brent Vegan is going to help there. And then defensively, it was also hard to evaluate because one, they're running a totally new scheme. So you got a bunch of guys that are playing new positions, even if they're vaguely the same position, like a guy like Amandre Williams. I mean, he was the best buck end in the league, I thought, in 2019. Well, now he's playing defensive end. It's a different spot. It's mm-hmm. not the same spot. So he's learning some different details. Uh, Chase Benson is supposed to be one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league. He didn't participate Saturday, so I didn't get a chance to see him. Troy Anderson, who's obviously probably Montana State's best player, he wasn't participating in the, in the scrimmage portion of Saturday either. So a little bit hard to get a gauge there, but I do think that the defensive guys are going to have the hardest time transitioning. I think the offensive guys are excited for a diversification in the offense, more opportunities, especially for the guys on the perimeter. But defensively, you got to think, I mean, when you if you're a defensive guy, like say Tyrell Thomas, who's a four-year starter at corner, I mean, he came here to play for Gerald Alexander, who was a former NFL guy, one of the most high-energy coaches I've ever been around, and Ty Gregorak and Kane Ione are on the defensive staff. And then you got choked. I mean, those are four of the most high-energy coaches I've ever covered in my career. So it's just a transition for those guys. And I'm not saying that the coaches there don't have energy. It's just hard to have the energy like those previous coaches did because they were just elite in that element. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how the defense comes along. It is a different style. They're running a different scheme. Uh, but that said, I think the Bobcats have a ton of talent. So I think that once they sort of get, get it figured out as far as what the coaches want, how they want to practice, I think they'll be just fine. It's just going to take a little while to transition uh, to a new regime. Culture, I know this is going to be tough because, like I said, you can't you can't gain a whole lot from just one practice and seeing what the quarterbacks are going to do. But let me get your thoughts on that. Did any of these quarterbacks, obviously McKay coming in as a transfer, Rovig's got all the experiment experience, uh, Bauman we've talked about, and you mentioned him before as the type of arm talent that this guy has. Uh, but has, did any of those quarterbacks really stand out to you in what you were able to see? Well, it was my first time seeing Matt McKay. Uh, he's a great athlete. I think they're going to run a lot of zone read stuff in their offense, and I think that, that really caters to his skill set. Uh, he does. He's kind of a – how do you say this? He's, he's kind of a jerky-type athlete, which I don't mean that in a bad way. I think that he's, he's very sudden in the way he cuts and stuff. Uh, he's not the smoothest thrower of the football, but he's good at throwing the football. He has good arm strength, and he has good accuracy. He threw a nice touchdown pass on Saturday. That thought was impressive. Um, so I think that he – just based, I mean, like I said, I've only seen this once. So, but, mm-hmm. but what, from what I saw, I think that he has a little bit of a, an edge as the front runner. But, but who knows? Because I think that Rovig's ability to operate stuff has proven. I mean, he has the most game film out of those guys. Uh, Bauman, I can't wait to see what Vegan does with Bauman because Bauman, he is so big and strong, and him, he has just this cannon for an arm. He has no finesse. He had a couple of plays where they were, where he went to the check down where he's trying to throw the running back in the flats, and he throws the ball like 75 miles per hour right at the kid's face, and he's like, you can't catch that pass. <laughs> but I'm just thinking of though because, I mean, who has Deegan coached, though? He's coached some of the best big, strong-arm quarterbacks that we've seen, guys like Josh Allen. And I'm not saying Casey Bauman 
is Josh Allen, but he has the physical tools to be a poor man's Josh Allen for sure. So I'm interested to see how, uh, how Vegan gets him to come along. And I was also impressed with Tommy Mallott. I do think Mallott has a chance to push to be a guy that at least has a role in the offense as a freshman. Uh, so we'll see how that all plays out. But overall, you know, I think that they have a chance to make a jump at quarterback only just because I think they're going to have more stability at the quarterback position. I think Vegan's going to work with the quarterbacks a lot, probably more than most head coaches do. So I do think those guys have an opportunity then uh, to take a jump just because uh, just uh, they're going to have just more stability uh, for the guys calling the plays and the guys coaching the position. Colton Juarez joining us on the Whitefish Credit Union Hotline. He, are, he is our featured guest. Check out his show, Juarez Now, 4 to 6 p.m. on ESPN Missoula. And you can also check out his great work, quality work, at SkylineSportsMT.com for the latest going on within the Big Sky Conference. Colter, again, I can't say thank you enough for what you've done for my show, bud. You've been such a huge help uh, to this show and to me, and I can't say thank you enough for what you did for me when I first got here, trying to understand the landscape of Montana and Montana State football. I continue uh, I wish to continue the, the hope for the best for you with your show and I wish you nothing but success going forward with your show and everything that you're doing, man. And uh, again, just can't say thank you enough for what you've done for me. Closing of one chapter, opening of a new one. You've done a great job up there, man. And uh, there will always be opportunities for you in Montana because I know you, you earned a lot of respect around here, especially with all the guys that have been around here for a long time. So appreciate you giving us a platform up in the Northwest. And I know people up there are going to miss you. I know we're going to miss you. Uh, but like I said, one chapter closes and another one opens. So uh, maybe we'll, our paths will cross someday soon. But in the meantime, be well, man, and uh, be proud of what you did up there because you did a great job.